Hey everybody, it's Bob Goff here. Thanks so much for letting me be part of the summer reading series. I heard from Levi who you're having come and I'm telling you, I'm gonna be listening in along with you. This is gonna be terrific. What I hope you'll do is what I'm gonna do when I'm listening in. I'm, I'm gonna have a pen, I'm gonna have some paper, I'm gonna take some notes. What I'm gonna do is do what Paul said to do, check everything said against scripture. I want you to check everything you hear from me against scripture. I want you to check everything you hear from Levi, from every one of the speakers. And there's something beautiful when we do that. We get back to the word of God. We say, what did Jesus have to say about this? And square it up with this. I want you to lead noteworthy lives. And in order to leave a noteworthy life, you got to take some notes. Because <laughs> if you don't, you'll it'll be like a, a bad dog that runs across the field. You'll whistle, it'll never come back. You're going to forget. You're just going to say, oh, there was a really happy guy talking. And I think God has more for you. I hope what you'll do is connect something that you heard from any of the speakers with something that you've experienced in faith. And then you'll find out in scripture that it's actually true. That this idea of a summer reading series, I would have thought I'd be one of the least likely guys to write books. I could barely spell cat, but I, I, I had this ambition. I really, really wanted to start some schools in Uganda. As you guys may recall, there was a big war going on there for 25 years. Joseph Kony was leading the Lord's Resistance Army, abducting children, turning them into child soldiers, and that just ticked me off. I was a lawyer at the time. I worked in Seattle. I lived in San Diego. Get this, I commuted every day. <laughs> they called me Mr. G at the airport. I would show up, I'd go up and back. I'd be home for supper each night. And my kids didn't know I worked in Seattle until they were, I bet it was junior high school when they figured it out, they said, Dad, I thought you worked downtown. I'm like, I do, <laughs> downtown Seattle. But here's the thing I want you to know. When you have an ambition, you say, what I wanna do is help some kids. The kind of stuff that Jesus spent a ton of time talking about. He didn't seem to like lawyers much, but he was crazy about kids. And so I started thinking of my day job as a lawyer is just doing fundraising. But I ended up needing more money for the schools that, than I could make being a lawyer. So do you know what I did? I quit. <laughs> what a stupid idea. I got a call from Thomas Nelson, this publisher. They said, will you write a book? I'm like, I don't know, will you build a school? And I'll trade you. And they, they said, well, tell me about the school. I said, all right, 1,400 kids and 100 teachers. And they said, big school. I said, big book. <laughs> And so we gave all the money away. It's been awesome. You guys, there was a little bit of room on the last page of this book. And so I asked the publisher, would it be okay if I put my personal cell phone number on the last page of the book? They looked at me like I was nuts, but I'm like, what? we've got to do this. Because I noticed this about Jesus. He always made himself available. Whether he was walking through a street and somebody pulled on his tunic and said, he said like, who was that that touched me? Little guy up in a sycamore tree? He's like, what's your name? We're going to have dinner. I, what I want to do is get available the way that Jesus was. And I'm hoping in this, in the notes that you might take that you'd say availability. You can't decide how tall you are or short you are, or where you're going to be born, but you can decide how available you'll be. And there's something beautiful in that. I want you available to Jesus for the next 30 minutes or so to say, what do you have for me? 
Does that square with scripture? What am I going to do about it? I wrote Love Does, and that would be a book that would be like, let's get a puppy. <laughs> the next book I wrote was called Everybody Always, and that would be like, let's train the puppy. And Everybody Always was a book about dealing with difficult people. And here's the crazy part. You're difficult people. <laughs> I'm talking about you. You are not as lovely as you think you are. And we all are actually difficult. What I'm learning about faith is how to reconcile this stuff. It was Romans 7 where Paul was saying, like, I keep doing the stuff I don't want to do. And I don't do the stuff I do want to do. I think we're living in that conflict. And we live in that conflict with the people around us, the difficult people. What I want to do is just love the people that are easy, the people that are like low-hanging fruit. Listen, get a hold of me. I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. But there's some people that aren't. I teach at Pepperdine Law School, but I also teach at, at San Quentin Penitentiary. There's some difficult people in there. And you know what I've done is I've, I did this because Matthew 25 said, when we get to heaven and we have these conversations with Jesus, he said, this is the only thing I want to talk to you about. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was kind of creepy and you invited me in. I was sick and you comforted me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you came in. Boy, that's it. Uh, James talks about widows and orphans, but Matthew 25 says, hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. You want to take notes. You want to live a noteworthy life. Go find those people. Stop saying I'm going to look for a plan for, for God in my life. That's his plan for our life. That we would show up. We would be available to people. And then we would write down what we learned. Your life is a page turner. I think that's why eternity is going to take so long that we'll just be talking about the people that we met along the way. And so I wrote a devotional book called Living Grace, Walk in Love. And that was actually kind of challenging. I, I wrote about 100 devotions and I, I turned them in. And the publisher said, no, no, buddy, 365. I'm like, no, which is actually just killer for a guy who's a seven on the Enneagram. I'm like, ah, got to do the next thing. But what I'm doing is I'm learning about patience. And there's something that has come out in the way that I've had to sit down and take notes on what's going on around me. I've actually been patient. First Timothy, uh, that God chose me. This is Paul speaking. The worst of the sinners so he could put on display his immense patience. Boy, I hope you're being patient with yourself as you're navigating your way towards Jesus. I hope you'll just be patient, that you'll, you'll know why you're doing what you're doing. The, the uh, final book that I just wrote, it's called Dream Big. And this thing just came out. And the, the thing about the Dream Big book, instead of a book where, like let's get a puppy or let's uh, train the puppy, this is like let's train the owner. Uh, the other books made people laugh, maybe made people cry. I want this book to make people think. And I want you to think as we, if we talk about these ideas of what do you want? Why do you want it? And what are you going to do about it? Those three things. What do you want? That was the first conversation Jesus had with every single blind guy he met. They remember the guy, blind guy at the gate. He was like, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. And Jesus came up. He said, what do you want? <laughs> Can you imagine the blind guy be like, duh. Yeah, I don't think Jesus was confused about what he wanted. I think he wanted to know that guy knew what he wanted. What do you want more than anything more? He said, I just want to see. So here's my question to you. 
what do you want? And if you want a convertible Porsche, I mean, mazel tov, but it's going to end up in the shop and you're going to pay a ton of money. But what do you want more than that? What, what if you want validation from people? Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for applause or validation for the people, well, what if you want popularity? I'm telling you, these are the things that are going to come and go. What I want is Jesus. I really want to see him, not just the concept of like a Sunday school answer, but I actually want to see him in the people that are around me and not just the easy people, the people who creep me out. Matthew 5, love your enemies. Man, I, I, I think that's easy to read until you have an enemy. I, I, I chase witch doctors in Uganda, witch doctors that sacrifice children. And we've tried a couple cases, their first death penalty case ever against a witch doctor for trying to sacrifice a child. And, and I had a real problem with uh, this witch doctor. He was actually my enemy because I got to know this little boy. I actually became his legal guardian as he, after he survived this attack. And I was thinking about Matthew 5 of it, love your enemy. And so I started visiting this witch doctor that I put on death row. And the crazy part is we became friends and I wasn't his teacher, he was mine. A crazy thing happens when we, we and I take Jesus seriously. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, hungry people. Are you seeing that? Don't just think about this stuff. Find them. And he talks about people in jail. And that's why I go to San Quentin, because I'm trying to learn from the people around me. Uh, what, what do you want? Second question, why do you want it? But I, if I really want Jesus, I have to ask the question, like, why is it? Do I want your acknowledgement? Do I want you to think I'm a super guy or a spiritual guy? I, I really want to have Jesus because I think that is the only way to, to develop a relationship with something that isn't ever going to move. And I don't know about you, but a lot of things in my life has moved, have moved around. Relationships I counted on, people that let me down, people that let you down. And the one thing I found in Jesus is that he's a, a person that just doesn't let me down. There's a lot of times I don't understand what he's doing, but I've never felt left down. And, and if you're close to Jesus, if you've been tracking for 20 years, man, that's awesome. If you've been tracking for 20 minutes, that's just as awesome. And if you just go like, I don't know anything about this. I just wanted to hear Bob say a couple things. Man, welcome. I just want you to know you're welcome. This whole idea that grace draws a circle around everybody and says you're in. And there's a ton of theology around this stuff, but, but here's what it gets to, that God doesn't look at me and you and see our screw-ups. What he does, he sees a son. And I think it changes everything for me. And all of these words that I've been saying over myself, like you're a loser, like what a mess up, or you're so inconsistent. Think of the worst thing that you've done, the thing that you're most embarrassed about, you don't want anybody to know about. Do you know what Jesus calls you? Beloved. Is that crazy? And if you're not hearing the word beloved spoken over your shoulder right now, it ain't Jesus talking. Wow, that's it in a thumbnail. But what I want to do is take notes on what God's doing. What do I want? Why do I want it? And then importantly, what am I going to do about it? If we figure out that, we figure out everything. I had a goal when I was in junior high school. It was to go out on a date. <laughs> It actually remained my goal in a high school to go out on a date. Actually, it never happened. I got into law school. I met Maria. She wasn't Maria Goff at the time, but I was planning on changing that. 
I really, I just, she became my goal. I remember sitting in my Volkswagen, pounding the steering wheel, just saying, God, if she could just like me half as much as I like her, because I like her enough for both of us, like that would be it. And eventually she yielded. And, and we got married, we had these three kids, and I knew what I ne my next ambition was. I just wanted a place for us to live. But I found out about myself, I'm a goalpost mover. Are you guys? I said, Jesus, if I could just have a place to live. So that was the goalpost. And then when I found a place to live, I said, I'd like to have a house, <laughs> not this ratty apartment. And then we got a house, you know what I wanted? Better house. <laughs> when I got a better house, you know what I wanted? Better house. You see that happening in your life? And if we have clarity on what do you want? What do you want more than all the houses, more than all the affirmation, more than all the applause? If you just blow the foam off the top, if you say what I want more than anything is Jesus, figure out those things and then go Deuteronomy 6 on it. It says when you're walking by the way, tell your kids about what God said. Remember the things that he said. Take notes on it. Uh, Acts 1.1, it says Theophilus, lover of God. Look for many convincing proofs that Jesus is still alive. I'm telling you guys, pick up your pen and write this stuff down. And I'm telling you, don't make your faith uh, easy because it's not easy. From everything I've been reading and experiencing, it'll actually kill every previous version of you. But make your faith simple. Here's Jesus, smartest theologian ever to walk the face of the earth. And you know what he does? He points to two sheep and he says, it's like when one of those gets away. Everybody knew exactly what he was talking about. Make it that simple to understand and then to write down. Don't leave it for the authors. Write down yourself these things. I think everybody has a book or two in them. What we need to do is just have access to these things. Access to your ideas, understanding why you're doing what you're doing, and then deciding what you're going to do about it. You can't just think about this stuff. you got to do something. And you're gonna have a couple setbacks along the way. I had an opportunity to go out with Maria and I took it. You know what I did? I said, you wanna go out? Guys, you single guys, it's called a date. <laughs> I said, wanna go out on a date with me? You know what she said? Heck no. <laughs> that was just good judgment on her part. But here's the deal. I didn't go away. Now, I wasn't creepy about it, but I knew what I wanted. Like I wanted to do life with this girl. So I did this first Peter. It talks about uh, uh, being aware and making a defense for the hope that's within you, but to do it with kindness and respect. Boy, what if we could encounter some of the difficult issues of the day that we've been whipsawed with and, and to encounter those things with kindness and respect, to encounter the relationships that are important with us, to us with that kind of uh, kindness and respect. I'm telling you, you'd be onto something. I would just want you to write down in your notes, kindness and respect. And then don't think how you could treat me with kindness and respect, because you're going to get a lot of affirmation from me. Find somebody who isn't good at it. Maybe it's uh, a parent. Maybe it's uh, somebody that you got, fell out of uh, touch with. Maybe it's somebody who really hurt your feelings. Maybe somebody betrayed you. I'm not saying spend time with people who are unsafe. I want you to guard your heart, but I don't want you to get inside the vault and close the door because that will just leave you in a dark place. What I want you to do is say, Jesus, with everything I know about you, could you give me the courage to take one small step forward in this? And then living that kind of noteworthy life, find the scriptures over and over again where Jesus said, be not afraid. 
And boy, if we could understand that kind of context, you'd have a story to tell. Like the scriptures say, not written uh, with, you know, on, on tablets, but written on our hearts. And if we get that thing right, you guys, we've got everything right. This is a clincher. <laughs> this fall they made during the depression. And you know why? Nobody could afford mitts. And so what they did is they made this ball big enough that everybody could catch it without a mitt, but it's soft enough that nobody could hit a home run. What I want you to do is live life like that. I want you to express your faith in a way that everybody can catch it, just in simple ways and in really tender ways. I've never given Sweet Maria Goff a daisy that had more than three petals on it. <laughs> First she's like, what the heck, it's a defective daisy. And then she's like, oh, I get it. Like, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. It's all about where you start, guys. But what I want you to do is express your faith and love. I think that's the only thing that counts, according to Paul, is faith expressed in love. Boy, find a way to do that. And if you've lost your way along the way, what, what I want you to do is see, ask what you would do if you lost your keys. What would you think to yourself? Where was the last place I saw those things? If you've lost your joy during this time of isolation, if you, with a lot of things happening around us, the things you're watching on the television, I would say if you've lost your joy, if you lost a little bit of hope, ask yourself this, where was the last place I saw my hope? And you know where that leads me back all the time? It leads me back to Jesus. Just a confused high school kid who bumped into a friend who is as fallible as me, and who had bumped into Jesus. And even though my friend was kind of messed up, I saw in him this beautiful sparkle. I, I saw in him a hope that I wanted a piece of. Man, it isn't gonna be what you say. We don't need more information. I don't care how many boats are floating in the Sea of Galilee. It's gonna be the, the examples that we leave for each other. And particularly at this time, we're, what I think we need is a bunch of people that can throw the ball to another to say, what's been your experience? What is it that you're hoping for? What do you want? Why do you want it? And then let's just decide as a faith community what we're going to do about it. I have a chapter in this book that talks about landing the plane. If you've ever come into an airport, when they chop the engines, when they get over the numbers, the plane kind of floats for about 10 feet off the deck. It's called the ground effect. And what's happening actually is that the wind is going over the wings, it hits the tarmac, and it's pushing up on the wings. And it'll be easy to float about 10 feet over your ambitions, to not actually land them, but to just kind of hover over them. I want you to figure out what you want, and I want you to land the plane. Don't just hover over these things. I mean, half of the people I know are afraid they're going to lose their jobs these days. The other half I know are afraid they're going to keep them. If your job is keeping you away from who you are meant to be, I quit. You know what? Every job I've ever taken, you know, the first thing I do on day one, I get an envelope, put my boss's new name on it, put a stamp on it, address it to him give the envelope to Maria and I write the words, I quit inside it. And I let her know if this job ever gets in between the two of us, if you see this ever get in between me and you, what I want you to do is mail that thing again. You don't even need to tell me, I'll find out. You need to leave behind a couple things. If you're gonna lead this courageous life, if you know what you want, why you want it, what you're gonna do about it, it might mean making a courageous move for you. So here's my question for you, not to just think about and say that swell like brain candy. I want you to think what's your next move. That's what a movement is. A bunch of people 
like this church, making moves. And I just want us to inch towards Jesus. I want us to do this in the power of knowing what the scriptures say. Matthew 22 said this, that my problem with you is this, you don't know the scriptures, so you haven't experienced the power of God. What if what you do is you say, during this time, time during the season of the, of the summer, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna learn the scriptures. Now, it would not hold my attention to just read stuff. That just doesn't do it for me. I'd like to, and you guys, I haven't had a quiet time in 20 years. Mine are really loud. <laughs> what I'll do is I take all my notes from the day before and I say, is it really true? And what I'll do is I'll search the scriptures, go Matthew 25 on it, go full Paul on that. And once you figure out it's really true, then if you follow me on any social media, I don't give Bible verses in my posts. I write books. I don't use Bible verses in the books because what I want to do is I want the guy at the tire store to know he's inside the circle that it extends to him. Somebody that feels far, far away from faith, I just want you to know that you're in because God called you beloved. And what I need to change is I can't say I love God and then start not liking the people he made in his image. And I get it. Some people are just flat wrong. You know what? I'm one of them from time to time. But what I do is I try to do this. I just try to search the scriptures and go back, well, what is the truth on that? And when we make that kind of a shift, it just changes everything. I have a sister and we used to stand up in the garage next to the door jam and my parents would put a ruler on our head and make a line. Did you guys do that to your kids or have that done to you? I love that, but here's the part I hated. I towered over my sister. I was taller than her by every measure except one against the door jam. Because when they drew the line, she was always a quarter of an inch taller than me. I think, what the heck? You know what I realized about 10 years later? She was standing on her tiptoes. <laughs> Not a bright student of what was going on around. And I realized that there's a lot of people right now that are a little on edge. And the reason they're trying to be a quarter of an inch more right than everybody else. What I want to do is be humble people. Write that down. You want a noteworthy life? Write down, be humble. Kindness and respect. Hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, people in jail. You know what they have in common? They're humble. And I hope that as you and I are new creations, we would live into that as well. And it's just going to mean reconnecting with what our problem is. And this is this problem, it's talked about, it's called sin, but it's really this disconnection between who we are and what we want. One of my ambitions, uh, what once I was a father, was to become a grandfather. <laughs> you guys, I wanted that so bad. I was gonna give all my kids hoodies that said, make people. <laughs> well, guess what? It happened. Oh, I am now a grandfather. I am so stoked about this thing. And I was reading my grandson, this classic, Peter Pan. And remember the part in Peter Pan where he gets in the room and he gets disconnected from his shadow. Remember? The shadow's bouncing all over the walls and Peter's trying to catch up to it. And eventually they sync up. Remember who it was? It was Wendy. She got out a needle and she thread and she sewed back the shadow to his feet. And I think in a simple way, I think that's what grace does for us. It, we have this disconnection 
from God. We're far away. And maybe you're feeling that right now with all of the crazy going on. You're just feeling so isolated and alone. What I want you to do is not feel alone. You can call me up anytime. My phone number is in the back of a couple million books. What I want you to do, even better, find somebody in your faith community. Like right here, you are surrounded with people who would love. Raise your hand if you don't want to hang out with somebody who's hurting. No hands went up. Trust me, I just looked. What I want you to do is know you're surrounded by people. I don't want you to go this alone. And Jesus doesn't want you to go separated from him. And what grace does, it knits back our shadows, some of the darker things in our lives to who we are. And then Jesus says, that's how I make you whole. You just get real with your need for me. And then you do something about it. You land the plane. You don't just hover over the field. Well, you guys, we've covered a little bit of ground. What I hope is that you'll, as you're wrapping up your notes, you'll think, well, what do I want? If you go, I want to be happy. That's awesome. Me too. But say like, what does happy look like? Does that mean like win a million dollars? Does it mean give away $2 million? Does it mean uh, go out on a date <laughs> like I was hoping in high school? Does it mean uh, like uh, get right in a relationship that got really wonky? Does it mean uh, have uh, forgiveness to actually experience that for something in your past that's disconnect? Does it mean to uh, uh, introduce some authenticity, to stitch, stitch back together your shadow with who you really are, to realize this Romans 7 predicament that Paul had didn't rule him out. It actually ruled him in. It drew a circle around him and said, actually, what it's going to take is a little bit of patience. God chose me. This is Paul, the worst of the sinners, so he could put on display his immense patience. And I want to close with this. God is patient with you. If you're feeling far away, man, he is patient. He is not going to try to shout over all the noise in your life, but he's inviting you. He's saying like, come on back. Let's go do this thing. And let's write these notes together about what our life could be. He wants you to dream big with him about the kinds of things that he's interested. He wants you to know uh, what you want. He wants you to vet that against scripture and ask yourself, why do I want it? And then he wants to together decide, what are you going to do about that thing? Hey, God bless you guys. Jesus, be with these friends. Give them the guts and the grit to be your people, to keep it super real, to be authentic, to be humble, to be yours, and to be great note takers. In your strong name, amen. So 